Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's up? Welcome to the mandatory. We've been uh, away for a little while, but back again. Thank you so much for rocking with the show. If you have already hit that subscribe button on YouTube, we appreciate you. If you haven't, make sure you do also hit that like button. It helps the channel grow and make sure to follow us on our social media channels. We're at the mandatory TKO, Twitter, TikTok, you name it, we're there. So if you've been rocking with us, thank you so much. And uh, if you listen to us on the audio side, which you can do, Leave a rate and review. Give us a five star. It's pretty easy. Um, and we also have been seeing a lot of growth there as well. So if you've been messing with us on the audio side, we do appreciate you. Um, Brian, we've been away for a little bit of a minute. There's been a lot that has happened within those two weeks. Um, but you've been pretty busy lately as well. Um, you know, tell me your thoughts on everything that's happened the past two weeks in boxing. If you could kind of just, you know, put it all together really quick. Yeah. And for people, you know. Oh, why they haven't done anything for a while. Uh, I was at a destination wedding. My brother got married. Uh, so there's that. And uh, that was a great, great time. We couldn't find a time to record last week. It is what it is. We're here now. And if you hear any noise in the background, uh, I apologize. But we're looking to uh, we're looking to sort that out. I'm in a new apartment, a uh, very nice apartment. However, a little bit of a noisier space. So but we're, we're, we're working on solutions. So if you hear any cars or whatever the case may be, uh, don't blame me. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's New York City, right? OK, but we'll look to get that sorted out as we sort of progress here. As far as what's been going on in the ring, um, I was in Orlando for said destination wedding. And while I was in Orlando, went to go see and cover Amanda Serrano uh, and her fight against Danilo Ramos. May I just start off by saying um, that venue uh, is awful. The uh, Caribe Royale Hotel, whatever the fuck it's called, um, the, 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 the event people at the hotel uh, didn't have me on the media list, but the PR people for most valuable prospects who did help me out throughout the night did. So shout out to the MVP crew led by nice. uh, Jake Paul and others at the zone. Uh, they were supposed to have the same list uh, when we were trying to uh, get into the arena. Uh, me and uh, my photographer, friend of the show, Astrid Alonzo. And uh, as we were getting into the, uh, the venue, um, there were two differing lists and first of all, there wasn't even a media a pickup section because there was just um, will call and, and then front row seating and then just regular admission. Um, and I'm going to land this plane. So don't you fucking worry about it, people. I'm going to land this plane. So we're, we we go up and they don't have the same list as uh, the people uh, at MVP. So I'm calling and emailing people being like, how am I not on the list? What the fuck is going on? We sort it out about 30 to 45 minutes later. We get in. By the time I get in, Crystal Rosado is warming up in the back. So we actually saw her right before her fight. Uh, so that was pretty cool. On top of that, my media seat, not great. Uh, several rows behind the people. But the good thing about um, 
I guess, covering the event was we were able to move around and sort of uh, get a little bit closer uh, to the actual fights as some other people would have. Now the trade-off is that you're standing. And then on top of that, there were, um, I would say, questionable media people there. There was one woman in particular that was standing next to me recording herself the entire time that Amanda <laughs> was fighting. That's hilarious. Um, I'm not making that it up. It was not me. It was not me. Okay, yeah, she was what? recording herself the entire time um uh, maybe for a reaction video or whatever and just repeatedly saying come on amanda come on amanda as it's going on media credentialed person by the way i would i want to add that um a lot of the media also inconspicuously didn't show up to the press conference the press conference was pretty neutered which is probably how i was able to talk to amanda serrano after the fight so there was that it wasn't an interview just a regular conversation hopefully we'll get her on the show at some point we'll look to make that happen uh, and hopefully that that is the case. Shout out to Amanda Serrano and her team because uh, they were very um, gracious as always. And as they always have been in my dealings with them for the last seven years or so. And uh, yeah, so the venue uh, was OK. I thought that the the fight itself and the um, land the, the plane, Brian, land the plane <laughs> and the spectacle itself. And I want to say uh, the they gave Puerto Rican flags to everybody, including media. I took about a few of them uh, to my home. They are here right now. And I was glad to see all the Puerto Ricans supporting Amanda Serrano. But goddamn, what a hell of a night that that was! That night was off to an awful start, but it ended up being great. So there's that. How's my attitude? How's my attitude today? Do I sound like I'm in a cheery mood? Um, you know what? Brian's having himself a day. Shout out to oh, yeah. um, friends of the show. I am PK thirteen. Uh, Brian did enjoy his vacation, and Tyrone. I wouldn't call it that. I was working. Okay, I mean, I you was, got to party after it's. it's I, a, yeah, yeah. I, you know listen, what I'm saying? listen. I've never Thursday night. I've never danced that much in my life. Probably. Never. Yeah, you weren't even like, prom where I didn't know what the fuck I was doing, and the the go home song was Lollipop by Lil Wayne. But other than that, probably the most that I've danced ever. I feel so old. Lollipop was like a big big song when um I was able to hit the club. So you know what? Let's I was get in middle school when that song came out. <laughs> Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, I feel old because that's when I was like legal and I could go to the club. Actually, no, I was, no, I was legal. I was using a fake ID first, not a fake ID. I was using my sister's ID. Um, there used to be a place here in uh, Vancouver called ATL. We used to call it ATL. And uh, you pay 20 bucks at the door and you just get in. And that's how I used to get into it. It was, it was terrible. Anyways, that's not the point. We I'm got some important. So thank you for educating me on that. Never we, been my <laughs> Honestly, like as soon as I turned legal, we never went back there. It was just because you could get in when you were underage, um, which I probably shouldn't be saying. Anyways, not the point. Uh, the point, though, is that we got a lot to talk about. We'll start off with the Amanda Serrano fight, Brian, because I think there's a lot to say about that fight, about Amanda Serrano and what she has actually meant to boxing within the past few years. But she's been on the grind for a very, very long time. She gets... Well, she puts on a great performance against Nelia Ramos, right? And she pretty much sweeps every round. You were she there did. at I the think fight. All three judges gave her one twenty to one. Yeah, that's what it was. I mean, it really wasn't much of a contest. And even Danila Ramos, her eye was swollen after the third round. Like you could see some swelling after the third round and whatnot. But she put on a great performance, and she made history. I think Danila Ramos uh, should be commended for her toughness. Because there were several points in the actual fight that I thought she was going down. And as somebody who bet Amanda Serrano by knockout, that did not happen. Though I felt like we got pretty close at multiple different times in the fight. But Amanda Serrano hasn't gotten a knockout in a while, but is still a very, very dominant. I mean, it's hard to get rounds off of her. 
Uh, yeah. Never, not you know, never mind beating her. Except if you're Katie Taylor, and Katie Taylor was also two way classes bigger, and also quite debatable as we've talked about on the show. But ultimately, I think Danilo Ramos should be commended for her toughness. Like that's a legit opponent, that's a legit challenger. And Amanda Serrano basically said in the press conference, like her and her team was like, "Look, they want they, this isn't a gimmick. They want to continue to defend the belts, twelve rounds, three minute rounds, and you know, just sort of operating in that way." Now, does that mean it's going to be Alicia Baumgartner? Does that mean it's going to be? I don't. I don't know. I don't know what that's going to look like because um, people who deal with Amanda Serrano, Amanda Serrano's team believes that they're going to be the A side in every fight going forward. And why would you not think that? Because there's really nobody in boxing she should be the B side against, save for maybe a rematch with Katie Taylor, because Katie Taylor edged out the first one according to the judges, two of them at least. Um, but I thought the fight was great. It was a great show. And Danilo Ramos was a very spirited challenger. But Amanda Serrano, who threw over 1,100 punches in 12 rounds, yeah. uh, you know, obviously put on the performance that she needed to, I thought. Yeah, and I think it just goes to show, like, her stardom continues to grow. And the fact that she wants to continue to fight these three-minute 12 rounds just shows you that this is going to be something we're going to be seeing more in women's boxing. And that's what we want to see. Now, when I heard this fight got announced, I honestly thought that Amanda Serrano would get the stoppage in this fight. But nonetheless, uh, Tyrone the Great, and we are going to get to uh, all of your comments. So please leave some comments. Uh, not the crying face one, but that was about me. I'm pretty sure that was about me hitting the clubs underage. But um uh he says i am kind of glad i went the distance and i actually am as well because she put on a performance like a master class performance and just showed off her skill now i think the biggest question though is what's next for amanda right because you talked about it she's going to be the a side she should be the a side for all of these fights except for probably if she fights katie taylor again but i think that's the rematch that i want to see the most because personally i had amanda winning six rounds to four um, so it was to my surprise when Katie Taylor won that fight, but I would love to see that rematch. And we don't really know what's going on with Alicia Baumgartner. So it's one of those fights that I don't see happening anytime soon. So if the rematch can happen, because of course, Katie Taylor, Chantel Cameron, they're going to be having uh, their rematch. But would you like to see Serrano and Taylor more than anything in a rematch? I would say that... <sighs> It really depends on what happens with Alicia Baumgartner because I would love to see Amanda Serrano fight Alicia Baumgartner next, but we don't even know if Baumgartner is clean. What's up with the the steroid yeah. situation where she tested positive for, you know, multiple steroids and Lou DiBella, who uh, was promoting her opponent, name is escaping me right now, but regardless, um, said that hey, Alicia Baumgartner, like this is a real a real drug, and I did some research and we looked at some of the athletes who are tested positive with that in their system one of which included alex rodriguez so it was like okay what's going to happen here now boxing being boxing we've sort of forgotten about that as a as a sport and uh what's going to happen now moving forward with uh, alicia baumgartner's sort of situation i don't know but to me that's that's the fight i would want to see the most amanda serrano versus alicia baumgartner um and if we get the katie taylor one obviously i'm not going to be mad at that either i i I think the Katie Taylor one could lose a little bit of luster if Katie Taylor loses his next fight against Chantel Cameron. As she but did Chantel time, Cameron's but... such a good boxer. Like in that first also fight, bigger. I was just like, yeah. I mean, that's the thing, right? That like she's also bigger than her. Like I, that's not Katie Taylor's natural weight class. So at the same time, like, you know, she gave Katie Taylor a very, very good fight. And I, 
I kind of see the second fight going the exact same way, to be honest with you. I see Chantel Cameron winning again. But as for Amanda Serrano, I think, uh, Brian, we talk about this a lot. And so, you know, she's making history. She's fighting these three-minute 12-rounders. Um, you know, she has been a champ in so many different weight classes. Um, she's done it consistently for a long period of time. She's not only the face of women's boxing, she's the face of uh, Puerto Rican boxing, which uh, you uh, pretty much said she definitely is. Um, and she's also a face of boxing, right? So when we take a look at the pound for pound list, and I think pe people might get mad, but MMA, because we're going to talk uh, a little Fury and Ghani a little bit later, uh, when they make a list, they put the men and women together sometimes, right? You'll see them rank it like that. Boxing doesn't do that. But in boxing, if we were to make a pound for pound list with men and women, Amanda Serrano would probably be in my top three. I'm thinking about this. Um, I probably have her fourth. Now that I think about it, I might have her third too. Like, because I, I know your third one is Alexander Usyk. That's um, where that's where I, I'm putting Amanda though. Top three. That's why I said. So I have. Yeah, I, I would it, have Bud. In a way, in Serrano. And I'm not going to leave Clarissa Shields off the list either. Uh, she would definitely be in my but, top five as well. But I, Amanda Serrano's be better competition, I think. Pound for pound, at least, uh, throughout the course of her career. Um, not to say Clarissa Shields hasn't beaten anybody because she's beaten some people. But I think it's just the know, weight class uh, for, that, for but that's what, Shields. But that's what it is. It's like it's, it's, it's harder in the lighter weight classes. You have so many more challengers. And I guess the thing that I'm struggling with here is if it's not because I feel like I feel like it's obvious, right? Baumgartner, Katie Taylor, in whatever order for Amanda Serrano to fight next. But who, if not if not one of them, who would you want to see Amanda Serrano fight? Because I I don't feel like it's going to be Katie Taylor again, um, and I don't feel like the Alicia Baumgartner one's going to happen unless we just sort of throw the positive tests out the window and it's like okay or she's clean she's actually innocent or whatever like the, the ruling yeah. is if there is even going to be one but i just wonder what's that going to look like and i think um is it going to be sky nicholson or somebody like that like i wonder what's what's sort of the challenge there but I, I think amanda serrano otherwise if it's not one of those two she'll probably be a heavy favorite for her next fight but in terms of combining pound for pound lists like yeah i think Reasonably, people should probably have her definitely in the top 10, likely in the top five. I think the line of demarcation for me is whether she's above or below Alexander Usyk in this sort of fictitious combining pound for pound list that I don't think people in boxing are going to have the balls to make um, after Terrence Crawford and Naoya anyway. Yeah, um, you know what? We're going to get to some comments because a good one. Brian, I think you should answer this one. It's from a very good friend of our show, uh, XL. XL, we do appreciate you. He said, what's up, Mandatory? Do you guys think, do you guys think is, who do you guys think the face is of men's Puerto Rican boxing? Do you think it's still up for grabs? I think, and Tyrone actually says he thinks it's uh, Subriel Matias, which I, he's probably the one, I would say. But Xander Zayas is, is on his heels. I think Xander Zayas is the one, and Luis Porto says it in the comments, Xander Zayas is the one who is obviously coming up, and we sort of know that he's positioning himself for that. He will be positioned for that by top rank also, like promotionally. It's going to be him at some point. Matias is right now, I think, the best pound-for-pound -pound Puerto Rican men's boxer right now uh, on the planet. 
um, with the list that includes like other great champions. You know what I mean? Um, Jonathan Gonzalez, Oscar Colazzo, um, Jose Pedraza is still around, but I think Subriel Matias is is probably right now that guy. He's going to have a tough title defense coming up later this year, uh, reportedly. And Xander Zayas is obviously the the future and soon to be president of that because he's, I think he's maybe two years away from a title shot at this point, and he's still very very young and he's twenty years old. So, yeah, I would probably have to say, honestly, I just think the face of Puerto Rican boxing is Amanda Serrano. Like it doesn't even matter for men's and women, but if we got to break it down, I think Xander Zayas is being set up for that. Yeah, he has to be right, and I think at the same time when you think about like his likeness his skill, the way top rank has been pushing him at the same time. Xander Zayas is supposed to be that guy. Matias, though, I think he's the boogeyman. I think people don't want to fight him, right? And are we going to get to see him in those big fights? But I think everybody knows that when it comes to the 140-pound division, I think he could probably beat anyone in that division. But I don't think that – I mean, maybe in Puerto – I mean, you kind of answer this. Maybe in Puerto Rico, people will, like, definitely give him the nod. But I think on, like, a national level – Matias is just going under the radar and it's unfair. Yeah. Yeah. People in Puerto Rico love him. Um, he's supposed to fight to answer Tyrone's question in the chat. Um, or actually XL's question in the chat, excuse me. Um, he's supposed to fight Ergashev next, who hasn't fallen in a while, but is 23 and 0 with 20 knockouts. And Ergashev um is from Uzbekistan. I remember him being a decorated amateur uh boxer, actually. Um, as a professional, obviously he's been very effective, but he hasn't really fought. Uh, a, a whole lot of top flight competition. He did He did give Michael Fox his first loss, so there's that. That was some years ago. And that was reportedly to be Subriel Matias' title defense, November 25th. I don't know, Chantel, if that was confirmed to be on the David Benavidez uh, undercard, but yeah. I'm not sure. Um, and Luis Porto says, while on the topic, happy retirement, Manny Rodriguez. Manny Rodriguez ain't retiring. <laughs> <laughs> Manny Rodriguez ain't retiring. Um he's he's campaigning really for all the bantam weights to get together and unify again uh because now you anyway is not there and then we'll yeah. see what happens going forward the bantam weight weight class is going to be fun i think in the absence of now you in a way because of the fights uh that could potentially be made the fight there to be in that division is manny rodriguez uh versus jason maloney and um I, I, and manny rodriguez is another one who if you want to say face of puerto rican men's boxing conversation but Subriel Matias, like you said, he's the boogeyman. He's the guy nobody would want to fight. He's 19-1 with 19 knockouts. He's knocked out everyone he's fought because the one loss was avenged by knockout. And he is not somebody who's incredibly marketable. And he can kill you with his right hand. And that's why he's so dangerous. Because that he, people yeah. won't want to fight him because there's not going to be a lot of money involved. And you're probably going to get knocked out. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And you know what? Um, I think it's going to be exciting to see what happens in the 140-pound division, but I also think it's going to be really exciting to see what Amanda Serrano does next. So if you guys have any thoughts on who you think she should fight next, who we should see her against in the ring, or is she going to fight someone else that uh, we aren't expecting? Probably. And she's probably going to have a similar performance as she did uh, this past weekend, if that happened, because that's how good Amanda Serrano is. Also, let us know in the comments below if you do think she would be on a top five pound for pound list if it included men because i think that's that's a big question there i me and brian say yes but let us know your thoughts all right two guys that are you know 
definitely on a pound for pound list. And there's been a lot of talk, Brian, after this weekend going into this fight. I said, I didn't really care. I'm talking about Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou. A lot of people thought Francis Ngannou was just going to go into the ring, probably get knocked out by Tyson Fury, but it turned out to be a controversial split decision because a lot of people thought that Francis Ngannou won. Um, But your thoughts on this bout, Brian, and um, how it kind of went. I have a lot of thoughts on this bout as somebody who bet on Tyson Fury to win by knockout. Obviously, I'm really annoyed. And uh, I I just think that Tyson Fury, you – he definitely did not take this fight seriously. Like, just watch the fight. Okay, just watch the fight. He did not take this fight seriously. I'm not, he says he trained 12 weeks. I'm not sure how much I believe that. Um, he also weighed the heaviest he has in his career, which I thought was interesting. Nobody pointed it out. I wonder why it's that. Uh, 277 and three quarter pounds. Like, we know Tyson Fury is a big boy. Um, he's a heavyweight champion with love handles. We know that this, that, and the third. He's six foot nine. He was 277 and three quarter pounds, the most that he's been for a professional fight. He was 277 in the last Deontay Wilder fight, 273 for the second Deontay Wilder fight, um, 256 for the first one, which I found very interesting. And then he beefed up because shit, he almost got knocked out the first time. So that made sense. Um, and there was another fight uh, against Sefer Seferi which that was his first fight back after the retirement quote-unquote two and a half years he was 276 for that so yeah um 277 and three quarters and you want to tell me that he was in a 12 week training camp i'm not buying it i was watching the fight like yo did this guy really train for this because <laughs> i don't feel like he did uh that's not to discredit francis agano i thought francis agano was great but as expected i think a lot of people were going to have the visceral reaction because francis agano had the big moments he had the knockdown he had the power shots. He gave Tyson Fury a black eye, and he and he hit him a couple of times. But in terms of having enough volume to win the fight, I mean, Tyson Fury outlanded him in six rounds, and also like you know landed more punches throughout the fight. Seventy-one to fifty-nine was more accurate statistically. Uh, he just got knocked down and didn't have the flashy moments. Um, and also I thought wasn't very wasn't very much taken this seriously. And as Lou DiBella tweeted out, uh, "Play silly games, win silly prizes." Almost completely embarrassed the sport. I think somewhat did. And there's not a single MMA champion who would knock down uh, a boxer other than Francis Zagano because Francis Zagano is at that level. But also Tyson Fury, I don't think he really took this that seriously because if he did, and I think he knows that because looking at the reaction sort of after the yeah. fight, if he really trained for this, I don't think this would have been like this close of a contest because you're not telling me that Francis Agano is all of a sudden some boxing prodigy that pushes the heavyweight champion uh and wins more rounds than Dillian White did against him that Deontay Wilder did against them a couple different times mm-hmm. and I think Francis Agano should keep boxing yeah box Deontay Wilder box Andy Ruiz but now the test with Francis Agano is going to be this all the dudes that you're going to fight are going to actually prepare and get ready for you and now we're going to see like how good I guess Francis Sagano really is as he fights other people. But I hope he continues boxing because he's clearly skilled, talented, and has wanted to do this forever. But I have questions about what happens when guys really now legitimize him because Tyson Fury looked like he was just playing a fucking game and almost really paid for it. Yeah, and as for Francis Ngannou, I think we got to give him all the credit in the world. I thought he looked great in the ring, and he was actually acting like the bigger guy in the ring, and it was really confusing at times because you're thinking, 
listen, Fury has this in the bag. He's going to go in there and probably get the stoppage later in the rounds. That was what I thought would happen. But it was the total opposite. And right away, Francis Ngannou was being the guy. He was being the aggressor in the ring, and he wasn't scared. And actually, Francis Ngannou uh, was pretty much the guy that people thought was going to go in there and just get laid out, right? That was kind of the consensus. But there was all the MMA people that were like, listen, he actually has a chance. And listen, I gotta—I have to admit, I wasn't very interested in this bout when it got announced. But I think all the props have to be given to a guy like Francis. As for Tyson Fury, I don't know if he necessarily didn't train at all. But I don't think he took it as seriously as he would like a fight with Oleksandr Usyk for Undisputed. Like, I think those are two different things. That What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I think this was for the bag. They both got paid. But I think the bigger question leading into it now is, did boxing get embarrassed by this? Because now all these MMA fans are saying, listen, like all these boxers can get it. And they're picking all these MMA dudes. And um, I saw one of uh, Tank and uh, O'Malley. Listen, not in boxing. <laughs> like it's a, it's a different skill. You know what I mean? Um, so here's the thing. Let's give all the props in the world to Francis Ngannou. He said he's going to do both. He said he's going to do boxing and MMA. He's going to do it both because he looked really good in the ring. Now, if AJ and Wilder can't get it together, and it doesn't look like they're going to get it together, <laughs> let me see Francis Ngannou and Wilder because that is a fight I would love to see, especially because, listen, I was proven wrong by Francis. And right away, like when he walked out with uh, Izzy and Kamara Usman, it was hard not to root for him because the walkout was dope. And the music, like I just, yeah. I know it was Drake Godspawn. You hate, you're not a big fan of Drake, but yeah. it was just, Honestly, I'm going to keep it real with you. Like to see him walk out with Izzy and Usman right away. I switched my um, switched. I was like, you know what? I'm, <laughs> I'm rolling with Francis and Ganu because the walkout was dope. But um, I think the biggest issue for this now is we're going to get like a bunch of stupid fights that we don't want to see. Like, you know I don't want to see Tank and O'Malley, but that's what's going to happen. They open the door for stupid fights and not everyone's going to look like Francis and Ganu in the ring. Here's the thing too, like if it's if it's Tank and O'Malley, if we do actually get that, which I hope not, but if you're Javante Davis and sort of looking around at who you're gonna fight next, I don't know. Uh, easy payday against Sean O'Malley would be uh, kind of uh, interesting because I think I think I think he would he would destroy Sean O'Malley because <laughs> look at look at this look at look at this comment that we kill just got. O'Malley. Thank look, you. Here, here's the thing, like. If you're going to do the crossover bouts, the one weight class yeah. where you can talk yourself into a guy having a chance is heavyweight. And Francis Agano is a special, special, special type of dude who has special boxing-like power. Like I think he could actually be competitive against boxers to, to some extent. We'll see, again, Like when they actually prepare for him and take him seriously, I wonder what that's going to look like, right? If he fights Deontay Wilder, I'd be pretty fascinated on how that how that goes. Um, but I've seen Deontay Wilder knock out dudes. And also Tyson Fury, I was looking at his past challengers. Francis Agano's the heaviest guy he ever fought, 272. I found that oh, very yeah. interesting as well. Yeah. So there's that element. But in other weight classes, there are weight classes. O'Malley is going to be 
whatever Javante Davis weighs, right? So you don't take his fighting be, at lightweight. Like he's gonna yeah. maybe fight at a catch weight. 136 yeah. or something but he's, yeah. he's gonna fight he's 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 not gonna go back up to 140 when you fought mario barrios like That's if he saying. was gonna like, do it he would have did it already and if it's going to be 135 there's not going to be like some sort of size or power or whatever the only advantage shot on is going to have is height and reach and gervonta davis is going to just obliterate him to the body and it's not going to matter like if you do this in any other weight class if you do this at at junior middleweight Dustin Poirier is not beating Jamel Charlo, regardless of what we've seen from Jamel Charlo. Conversely, none yeah. of these boxing dudes are going to beat the MMA guys in MMA, right? Like, I don't know how many boxers, you know, can wrestle other than apparently Terrence Crawford uh, have great leg kicks, uh, apparently other than Amanda Serrano. But, but like, you know, there's not a lot of like Holly Holmes out there who can do both at a really, really high level. Um, So I, I don't care for the crossover bouts that much, but like, you know, if boxing's going to be a joke and MMA is going to be a joke, then yes, that opens the door for these crossover bouts and for influencer boxing and all these other things that are actually pretty interesting. So, you know, I, I'm all for it if if it makes sense. And Francis Ngannou continuing to box just makes sense. Yeah, no. And you know what? If he's going to continue to get the bag. Like, why not? Um, we know how much boxers get paid and how much MMA fighters get paid. And uh, it's a pretty big difference. Um, so Francis Ngannou is finally getting the bag and that's why I was happy, but it opens up doors like Francis Ngannou and AJ, I think Francis got a chance. So I'm like, no, I'm playing around. Um, he shouldn't, but the, like he was outboxing Fury at times. That's why I think Tyson Fury didn't, Tyson Fury's outboxed everyone he's fought. This yeah. is why I'm like, there's no way he prepared for this. Like I, I made the joke on Twitter, like, yo, dudes usually have training camps before fights. And it felt like Tyson Fury was using this fight as a springboard to his training camp before fighting Alexander Usyk. Like, oh, I'm going to use this fight and then get into camp. Because I guarantee you, if he fought Usyk, I don't think he was going to weigh 277 and three quarter pounds. I don't no, think that would have been the case. Not at all. And uh, shout out to XL uh, for donating to the channel. We do appreciate you. Uh, and you also get uh, your comments put on here first. So thank you, XL. He said, love the channel. Keep up the good work. Do you guys think eventually the belts won't matter anymore? It seems like what matters most is popularity. That's a Ooh. good question. Okay. So gather round, gather round. I, I think when it comes to a lot of things, XL, that popularity is just going to win out because uh, a lot of people are stupid and they just sort of look at numbers and not somebody's skill level. MMA somewhere along the line or the UFC specifically somewhere along the line became about what can you generate and who you can call out as opposed to how good somebody is. Like you can't sit up here and tell me Patty Pimblett is worth, you know, getting behind in a Conor McGregor-like way, even though that's something that it seemed like the UFC was angling for at one point for promotional purposes. They're pushing think, Patty like crazy. I think that a lot of what we see now, just in content in general, not just exclusive to combat sports, and the reason why people like Chantel and I uh, are here as opposed to doing things at what you would call a more visible level on some some degree, quote unquote, is because a lot of people are good at making noise as opposed to being good at what they actually do. And now the world that we're in just sort of incentivizes people to create that noise and just generate like, you know, a, do something for a reaction as opposed to doing something that's actually good. So I think in a lot of 
instances, um, I'm not sure how much belts are going to matter because the popularity will win out. Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia wasn't about a belt. And that's fine because that's actually a big fight. But there's going to become a point where guys are going to be getting hyped up and they're undefeated and we know that they're not very good. But we question how much it's going to matter. So I'm looking at the growth of influencer boxing just to see like how that's going to stack up against actual boxing who prioritizes what, who cares about what, and how Jake Paul's next fight is going to do in December 15th because there's not even an opponent listed and he has a loss on his record. Will people still care? You know, to some degree they will, to some degree they won't. We've seen it with Colorado. People are starting to care less and less about Deion Sanders and his group. Maybe there's something to do with that, but I don't know. I just think that I just think that the skill and the, the titles and things of that nature should matter, but again, boxing needs to be able to take itself seriously for that to happen. Tell Jake Paul to fight Francis Ngannou. I want to see Francis Ngannou <laughs> against everybody. Yo, he would get uh, he would get annihilated against Francis Ngannou. Um, but do I think the belts eventually won't matter? I think the thing about boxing is it's such a traditional sport, right? So there's always like the boxing heads that probably hate the fights, like the Jake Paul fights and everything like that. And so I think belts do matter to some boxers, but to some other boxers, I think the bag matters. I think they just want to get the bag and that comes with popularity because if it wasn't about the belt, then I think Tank and Ryan could have been a title fight. And, and, and but instead, it wasn't. It and wasn't. Instead, and instead, it was a one pound catchweight difference from being a title fight. 136. Which honestly, I think at that point, just make it for the title. You know, but uh, it didn't matter. If but it that, that's my point, though, right? It's for the popularity. Those were two of the biggest boxers, um, social media wise. Ryan Garcia brings in a whole different other audience. And then you got a guy like Tank, who, let's be serious, people want to see Tank Davis fights. I mean, he sells pay per views and he is the guy to watch on pay per view. So I think the belts will matter to some people. Like you see Teofimo Lopez on Twitter talking about how he wants to get back to like real boxing and fighters got to work together um, and everything like that. And listen, um, he went and he fought Josh Taylor and the belts were on the line. Like he's fighting dudes. Right. So I think there's always going to be those guys that care about the belts because that's what it is, but we are going to get fights like this. And I think it's only going to get worse, especially after what we just saw between Fury and Ganu. It's, it's going to be, we're going to see the dumbest fights ever, but <laughs> we're going to watch them. Like if O'Malley and tank happen, we're going to watch it and we're going to get O'Malley. We're going to see him get knocked out in the third round. Cold. Like, I, I, I'd pay to see, like, if I'm Dimitri Bivol, right? Yeah. And I'm sort of looking around and who am I going to fight next? And if Artur Bedarbiev couldn't happen, like, yeah, could I get Israel Adesanya? And, and, and actually try to make that, like, try to make yeah. that work. You know what I mean? Like, I, because I, Izzy, Izzy is somebody who, he had a he had a brief boxing career. I don't remember his record. I want to say six and one, something along those lines. But he posted some shit after the fight, like, oh, boxing's corrupt. Uh, this is why I stopped boxing, whatever, whatever. And it's like, no, I think he probably stopped boxing because, you know, he was just better at kickboxing and later on better at UFC, uh, MMA and in the UFC. Um, and I think that Israel Asanya, uh, like I'd watch him box, but, you know, is he gonna, is he gonna have like an interesting fight? Like there's some of these guys, like I would be interested in watching, but I do think we're going to get some dumb fights out of this. Um, but if, if it's a heavyweight, I think it's I think it's five percent less dumb because you know everyone that big has yeah. a puncher's chance, especially if it's Francis Ngannou. But if Stipe Miocic fights Deontay Wilder, Deontay Wilder's going to kick his ass. I don't care. 
let's get to some of these comments. Uh, let's go to, maybe I'm not saying this right. And if I'm saying it wrong, I'm sorry. Uh, Palas Software. I fear He's that right, Cashmool. Okay, let, let, let me read it out. Let me read it out for people that are going to listen to it on the audio side. I fear that casual sports fans will use the outcome of Fury and Ghanu fight as evidence. MMA is a superior sport to boxing. Boxing is niche enough already. It's true that MMA fans are going off right now. Totally agree. Totally agree. Not And you know what? I, I think that it's weird because both of the sports are just not running an ideal way. Because in MMA, you get bigger fights uh, from the standpoint of like, there's only what so far you could run if you're in the UFC. The problem with the UFC is like there's too many rematches, in my opinion. But yeah. you have guys fighting each other at the highest level routinely, whereas in boxing, there's more guys avoiding each other, trying to promote uh, or trying to keep their undefeated records intact and taking fewer chances. And in MMA, losses don't matter as much. So they're just like, fuck it, let's go. The trade-off <laughs> is that the trade-off is that boxers make way more money at the top than the MMA fighters do. And the MMA fighter, the MMA fans are going crazy. And they're trying to use this Francis Ngannou thing. Somebody who a lot of them like just didn't like after he left the UFC and called him a bunch of things for leaving. But now they're on his side because he pushed the heavyweight champion who wasn't taking the fight seriously. Ooh, I like this one. Uh, a friend of the show, nerd. Fury is just hustling everybody. Now the rematch versus Ngannou <laughs> will be bigger. It's true, though. Like, I want to watch the rematch. <laughs> I, I want to see. I would want. Okay, so if anyone was watching the show when this first got announced, I was like, I don't care about this. Like, I'm not going to watch this. But if there's a second fight, yo, I'm all in. Because, like, Ngannou really, really surprised me. And as much as I know that didn't look like the Tyson Fury that we know, listen, I, let's have a rematch then, right? They'll get the bag. Um, and maybe Fury will actually perform like Fury. Or does, Ty, uh, you know, Francis Ngannou come out again and drop him on his ass? Because that wasn't a good look. And Fury didn't drop him on his ass. Tyson Fury better be Alexander Usyk first. <laughs> yeah, and there's also talk. There's also talk that that fight could possibly not happen December 23rd because they're saying Fury might not be ready for the fight. So, Brian, your thoughts on that? Do you think we're going to get that fight? I think we'll get it. I don't think it's going to be December 23rd because it's eight weeks away. I think it's two months. Um, and I, I think... I, if I'm Tyson Fury, like, nah, that fight, that fight's happening in February, bro. Like, <laughs> he got a black eye from this shit. And then Alexander Usyk will have the built-in excuse that if he does win that fight, people are going to say, oh, Tyson Fury, whatever. But they'll just blame Tyson Fury because it's his fault anyway. And it's it's interesting because, like, I'm saying, I'm saying that I don't think Tyson Fury took this fight seriously. I think Alexander Usyk would have taken that fight seriously. Apparently Usyk was, like, in the crowd telling... uh Tyson Fury, what to do? He's like, throw the jab, Tyson, or something like that. He was trying to help him out, uh, Luis. And protect his own eight-figure payday. <laughs> that too, that too. Uh, Luis Porto, a uh, friend of the show, by the way. Thank you so much for rocking with us. Uh, he, Luis doesn't want to see that fight again. Usyk and Fury should be the only fight Shuri um, should be doing next. I believe that's true. Also, I want to get to this other comment that uh, Luis did earlier. I thought it was actually a good one um, for all the Fury fans. Uh, this is interesting. Tyson Fury has a weak resume, wins over washed up Klitschko and wins over, what does he say? Two chicken leg Wilder, lots of smoke and mirrors. Two wins over chicken leg Wilder. Um, I like Deontay Wilder, man. He's one of my All favorite right. boxers. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't think I don't think Tyson Fury is a weak resume. I just think that for a while the heavyweight division wasn't necessarily uh, buzzing, and there are still some guys, Alexander Usyk, Anthony Joshua, that I would like to see Tyson Fury fight. I have a better idea of how one of those will go than the other, but I'm less sure about both of them now, <laughs> given what we just saw. Um, but yeah, I don't think I don't think Tyson Fury is a weak. Uh, resume. I think the, the wins over Deontay Wilder was legit. A lot of people argue he has three wins over Deontay Wilder. And I think I think Deontay Wilder is the hardest puncher of his generation, if nothing else. Like he's the best knockout artist uh in the heavyweight division currently and has been for a while now. So I think that's something. Now, would Tyson Fury go undefeated in the 90s against Lennox Lewis, against Mike Tyson, against Riddick Bow, um, Chris Bird? You know, both Klitschko's at their peak in the in the early 2000s. You know, would he even beat Calvin Brock in the mid 2000s? Probably wouldn't be Calvin Brock. But like, would he do that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if Tyson Fury is beating you know Evander Holyfield. But for the for the era he's in, yeah, he he's got a legit resume. Um. Yeah. I mean, listen. Uh, win over Klitschko is still a win over Klitschko. Uh, because Klitschko was that dude for a very long time. And as for Deontay Wilder, I think he's one of the most exciting boxers in the game. I mean, he still has his power. We saw what he did in his last fight. And he's entertaining, right? When you talk about the heavyweight division, Deontay Wilder was a guy that a lot of people stopped and wanted to watch. So um, I still believe Fury is arguably uh, the best heavyweight. Of course, you could also give it to a guy like Alexander Usyk. I still don't know who I'm going to take in that fight. I keep going back and forth. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I do agree with you. I hope that's a fight that we are going to be getting. Um, Brian, before we get up and out of here, any final thoughts? And, and anyone that's on the chat, if you have any final thoughts, questions, let us know. Um, any final thoughts before we get up out of here? We are going to be doing some betting later this week. Uh, so we will have a live betting show as well. You said you've been going back and forth on Fury and Usyk, and I really haven't been up until this weekend. <laughs> Where, because I'm like, I think Tyson Fury is just too big, too nimble, and I think he's going to outbox him, whatever, whatever. Um, now I'm like, oh boy. I don't know <laughs> though, because he looked gassed. He looked gassed against Francis and Ganu. You know, because, Usyk you know why? Is because be he didn't train. <laughs> Still though, Still, I don't think I Usyk really don't stays think in shape though. Him. No, uh, I agree. I, I'm saying, I, but he'll take Alexander Usyk. Yeah, seriously. Hopefully, I mean. Oh yeah, you, know, you have I to. Mean, somebody you've been calling a middleweight. I hope that you would take them seriously. Um, but like, I, I think he'll take Alexander Usyk seriously, and hopefully, um, you know, he'll be able to just put on a Tyson Fury like performance, so that we can have the great undisputed a uh, heavyweight showdown that we all want and I would say deserve. All right, so let's get over to Tyrone the Great. Um, this was a actual conversation that Brian and I were thinking about having. Um, Tyrone the Great says, no thoughts on the Foster fight. Listen, Oshaki Foster uh, continues to prove people wrong, right? Going really under the radar for a really long time, um, then gets a massive win where I think a lot of people thought he was going to be an underdog in that fight. And now we're taking a look at that 130-pound division, Brian, and is Oshaki Foster underrated like do you think he doesn't get enough credit i think he's in the top three in that weight class so he beat eduardo hernandez um it was an 11th round stoppage and it was a it was a good fight that i caught literally this morning <laughs> i was i was why i was going through it because of all the stuff i was doing over the weekend and obviously uh the other fights but 
Oshaki Foster, um, not a great week for him to have this fight, so it'll go under the radar. But, you know, to me, the, the top guys in that division, there's really four of them. There's Emmanuel Navarrete, number one. I think Joe Cordina uh, could stake his claim as number as number two with his fight coming up. You have Oshaki Foster, and then you have Lee Wood. I think there's some interesting fights you could make there, uh, uh, sort of intermingling think- them. Okay, so but, maybe I'm just like underrating the UK fighters, but I'm putting Oshaki number two. Like, like I, Navarrete. You know what? I I don't know. It, I think it's a tie between him and Navarrete because you know Navarrete takes a lot of hits as well. Um, that's a fight I'd be willing to see. Yeah, but Navarrete really showed me something against Oscar Oscar Valdez, Valdez. and I was going. I, I said Valdez was going to win that fight. A lot of people did because Oscar Valdez Powered. is somebody who just. I would even say better technically going into that fight. And just, I think Navarrete is technical in his own special way because he's weird and he hits you from very, you know, weird angles. He also combines that with a certain level of power. And, you know, I think that Oshaki Foster, um, you know, if he fights Navarrete, that would be great. I don't think it's going to happen, but the 130 pound division is interesting right now. I'll say that much. For sure. For sure. And let's get to some, um, Final comments before we get up and out of here. Uh, Luis Usyk outboxed Dubois and knocked him down twice. Not look good. What more do you want? Um, he won the fight, but I mean, there was also that low blow. All right. Yeah. Did, did Alexander Usyk uh, get knocked out with a body shot in that fight? I don't, I don't know. So. No, I don't think it was a low it didn't, blow. It didn't. It honestly, it didn't look like a low blow. No. Like I, when I saw the replay, I, just, I was I also like, don't, like, I don't, I don't. But I'm also like, you're a guy. If you get hit there, like, are you in pain? Like, I don't know. Like, you you tell me. Is that a low blow? It'll hurt. Okay, so then it, it, technically it is. Okay. I, you, but, like, I wasn't there. Like, there's one angle where the fist is, like, right square on the balls. And there's another angle where it looks <laughs> yeah. like it lands right on the belt line. So you could kind of manipulate it to believe what you want. Um, what I want is Fury versus Usyk. And preferably December 23rd, although that'll fucking, that might mess up my Christmas week a little bit because like, you know, we're going to do a post-fight show for that. Right, right. I don't think I'm traveling. I don't think I'm traveling that week. I don't know if I am either, Um, but. We'll try. We'll try to get you guys the post-fight show. No, we're doing the post-fight show. I just don't know (laughs) where I'm going to be doing that from. Hopefully it'll be in New York City because man, uh, well, if I'm assuming I get this, uh, noise situation figured out hopefully uh this sounded aesthetically pleasing to you guys uh i don't i don't think i don't think i had any noise issues knock on wood very much on this particular episode so there's that but but uh by the way if you uh left a comment um if you donated to the show big shout out to xl we do appreciate you a friend of the show been rocking with us from the beginning but anyone that left a comment joined us thank you so much for rocking with us if you haven't already hit that like button hit that like button hit that subscribe button you can also um leave a rate and review give us a five star on the audio side as well wherever you you know find your podcast or anything like that and uh we will be back with some more content later this week uh we're gonna do some betting Joe cordina is gonna be fighting as well um so it's gonna be some good betting that we have coming up and there was another fight that we're gonna do some betting on brian what was that fight i gotta take a look at the schedule yeah, I don't remember either. But we're gonna <laughs> bet on it. <laughs> we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna give you some betting, but um, I don't want to stay too long because the Raiders game is on tonight. And even though we're gonna lose, I I need to watch. No, I need to fuck be here that. On time. I want the Raiders to win because I, I want them I, to win too. But I think I listen. My, one of my boys hit me up during the show and was talking shit to me. 
And so uh, that's why I was like on my phone. I was like, forget this. Like, and I was talking shit back. He's a Lions fan. And real, um, oh, yeah. Real quickly. Yeah. I am up 39 points in fantasy this week. My opponent has the Detroit Lions defense and Jameer Gibbs. So I'm hoping to God uh, that, the Ra- that the Raiders are just okay enough. You know what I mean? I don't need them to win, although I would like for them to win for your sake. Um, but I, I just I just need the Lions to not, you know, not not blow up my my potentially five and three record. In I think football. I think it's going to be a 27 to 13. Listen, the only way the Raiders are going to win is if Josh McDaniels leaves the field. <laughs> That's the only way that they're going to get the win. If he just stops calling plays. Arnold uh, but- Barbosa agrees with you, by the way, according to his tweets. He does. He does. Arnold, by the way, front of the show. Uh, we'll try to get Arnold back on as well. Uh, we're both Raiders and Dodgers fans. So um, <laughs> that's the cool thing. But anyways, guys, thank you so much for rocking with us. We'll be back um, probably midweek, uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. We'll let you know. So keep it locked on our channel. Uh, thanks so much for rocking with us. We'll be back and we appreciate you. More boxing content coming your way. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.